Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to another episode of Life After Life with me, Sandy Byrne. And joining me on today's episode, I have all the way from New England <laughs> in Maine in the United States, I have Jennifer Moore here. So Jen has a master's degree in psychology and religion, but she's also an accredited master trainer for EFT International. She's founded the Empathic Master Academy. She's written an Amazon bestseller on empathic mastery. She has her own show the empathic mastery show she's created two oracle decks and a healing tarot deck and i could go on and on about all her experience but i do want to let her talk at some point so jen welcome to the show thank you for joining us oh sandy thank you so much for having me it really is a delight to be here it's an absolute pleasure and I might just point out to people um, because, you know, a lot of people that listen in are in Ireland and the UK and that. And I was having a conversation with Jen before we started recording and she has Irish and Scottish ancestry. So we were talking about the tea and the coffee stuff and she tells me yeah. she came from um, a family that were very snobby about their tea. So she gets it. <laughs> she gets it. <laughs> I absolutely get it. I absolutely get it. And and my mother, I mean, when we were when we would could get up to Canada because my family a family from Nova Scotia my mother like she would bring back lots of tea because yeah. the quality of tea here is definitely not the same as the quality of tea where you are yeah and whenever yeah. my husband travels a lot for work and whenever he goes anywhere he has a ziploc bag of lion's tea and he takes it <laughs> everywhere with him he, he won't go anywhere without his own tea anyway the tea aside, I want to talk yes. to you about being an empath because you have a site and an academy about empathic mastery. But I want to ask you because we hear the term a lot. Okay, we sure what do. Is an empath? What does it mean? Okay, so first off, I just want to acknowledge that because we're hearing this term a lot there isn't this is not like a clinical term that has mm -hmm. like a a a straight up definition and the okay. word empath actually started as a science fiction term it was originally uh, yeah it started in the 1950s there was this story called the empath that was about this this these people with sort of supernatural paranormal abilities to basically um apprehend other people's emotions and influence other people's emotions and that's where the word even started and then it sort of got taken into pop culture in the 60s with star trek and an episode called the empath and then it started getting adopted by our culture but if you start looking around you will find all kinds of different definitions for the word empath so my experience is that it the way I interpret it is that basically an empath is a person who is taking on and absorbing the thoughts the feelings the energy the sensations the feelings 
like sometimes the physical health issues of the world around them. And some empaths are so sensitive that they are not just picking up on the people around them, they can be picking up on the environment around them, they could be picking up on sort of the social and political things that are going on. And some people are so sensitive that they're picking up things from the past as well as from the future. And, and the current present moment. But I find that it tends to be on a spectrum where there are some people who just have a capacity to feel empathy for other people. And then there are the people who are in a position where they are empaths, which means that they are feeling the stuff. What I've seen is the challenge with this is that a lot of times when somebody is highly sensitive and a, and, and a highly sensitive empath, what happens is that they often cannot distinguish what's theirs and what's other people's because instead of if you were like a psychic or a medium or an intuitive, you know you're receiving information, but you know you're receiving information and you're experiencing yeah. something, but you can discern what's mine, what's not mine. But empaths receive the same information but they experience it through the filter of their own processing. So instead of, of you know, knowing there's having somebody else's emotion, which could be considered clairsentience, empaths tend to feel the emotions or think the thoughts through their own lens and filter. And that's what I think makes being an empath really challenging because a lot of times it can be, if, if there's a lot of intense energy going on, it can be very easy to sort of get, you know, start drowning in it, especially when we don't know what's ours and what's not ours. So sure. that's sort of the, as short and sweet as I can give give it to you yeah. right now. Yeah, I mean, it is complicated, but I think that really boils it down. And could yeah. I go a bit further and ask you about the difference between an empath and empathy? Yes, absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so empathy is our ability as human beings to imagine ourselves in another person or another in you know an animal situation you know like it could be an animal it could be a person it could be an environment but it's our capacity to imagine ourselves in that position and to grasp what those emotions are like but empathy still suggests that we understand that we are not that person Whereas as an empath, we often will feel things as if it's our own and not necessarily be able to distinguish that we're not going through that experience. So I'll give you an example. When the war in Ukraine broke out, there were all of these images on social media of like the people who are fleeing the city with their dog on a leash and their cat carriers. Yeah. And I was having a lot of sort of emotional, empathic overwhelm and bleed through right around that time. And I was finding myself seeing myself with my dog and my cats walking down my street and sort of fleeing my own home, but experiencing it through the lens of my own perspective. Mm -hmm. And what I really needed to do was sort of back that train up and really remind myself that in reality, I was imagining this, but I was not actually experiencing this, and that I was safe here in New England, in Maine, and that everything's okay. And the thing about 
Empathy is that it allows us to have an incredible amount of compassion and love and kindness for people who are going through things, but having perspective about the fact that they're going through it, not us. Whereas sometimes as empaths, we can actually kind of lose the plot here because we're so immersed in the feeling that we can actually forget that it's not us going through it. So it's, it is very different from trying to, because, you know, when you're saying that, and, you know, we all saw the pictures from Ukraine, I try and put myself in the situation to imagine what it's like. Right. You know, but that's different. That is, is different. Yeah. Yeah, because you're trying, you're deliberately, you're saying, okay, I see these people going through this experience, and this is an absolutely horrible experience. I'm going to imagine, like, I can just imagine what that would be like. Like, you're mm. imagining it. You're you're deliberately yes. choosing to imagine it. Whereas the thing with empaths is a lot of times they don't, they don't, they don't have that transition. They see the picture and then they are there. Like, that right. they're experiencing it as if it's their own. I get you now. Okay, so they're, they're really picking up the pain, the confusion. And you, you talk a lot about, because I know this is one of the things you do, that you help sensitive people to release empathic overwhelm and distress. Yes. So I assume this is what comes from getting those feelings. People get overwhelmed, they get distressed, and that, that kind of thing. Would that be fair? Absolutely. Well, and it's also incredibly confusing in the sense that if like, and this is one of the signs of sort of, you know, we had talked about sort of like, how do you recognize that you're an empath? And this is one of the signs for me that means that I'm picking things up and it's not about me is that if all of a sudden you are, you're chugging along, you're doing your day, you're living your life and everything is completely fine mm -hmm. and there's no cause for concern and suddenly you find yourself feeling completely out of sorts, completely wonky and strange it can often be because you're picking something up that is coming from the world, you know, that is coming from outside of oneself. And so what can be very confusing, especially before somebody identifies or recognizes that they are highly sensitive and empathic, mm -hmm. that what can happen is that you can be picking things up, feeling totally out of sorts and not knowing why, which can be incredibly confusing and very debilitating for that matter and if at, at least here in my world and with many of the people that I've spoken to over the years the other thing about this is that often empaths feel more deeply more intensely more strongly than other people in their families and in their world around them so very often they're being told you're overreacting you're taking it too personally you're making too big a deal out of it stop worrying about it get over it just let it go <laughs> and even to the point of just being told you're being crazy and yeah. so it gets there's a lot of gaslighting that happens for empaths as well and if you've got an empath who's seeing people fleeing Ukraine and and feeling all the feels about that. You can also have the non-empath family members or who or or friends and around them who are just like, you are not in the Ukraine. What is your problem? Like, get over it. Stop. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, there's, you know, yes, that's true, but that lack of compassion for the fact that the empath is swimming in or just getting flooded with these feelings really does not help yeah i totally get yeah. it 
Now, you have a five-step system for recognizing that um, someone's an empath. Is that I something do. you could go through with us? Or? Yes, I would love to. Thank so you. basically, what I discovered, so first off, I'll just explain why I created the five-step system. So the five-step system of empathic mastery is basically recognize, release, protect, connect, and act. And what I realized was that two things I saw as a big problem. Within the spiritual world, there's a lot of like psychic development and intuitive development and sort mm -hmm. of spiritual awakening classes. And a lot of places where people are learning to open. The thing is, empaths don't need to learn how to open. They need to learn how to protect and discern. And so what I was noticing was that, and the advice that is often given to highly sensitive people is, oh, just put a nice bubble of light up around you. Send some love and light. Cultivate more love. Cultivate more light. Just send the bubble up around you. Mm -hmm. The problem with starting with protection and putting a bubble of light up around you is that if you've been absorbing the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations, and the pain from the world around you for any period of time, you've already got all of that stuff going on inside. And those yeah. trapped emotions and congested energy is in there. And the problem is that when you're carrying that kind of stuff around inside yourself, it is going to basically erode your filters and shields from the inside out. So what I noticed was that the first step of recognize is just even, the, there's two parts to that. The first part of it is even recognizing that you're picking up that, well, three parts really. First step is recognizing that you're an empath and that you are, that you are susceptible and vulnerable to picking up the thoughts, feelings, the energy, sensation from the world around you. The second step is recognizing when it's actually happening and going, oh, I'm feeling something that feels out of sorts, that doesn't feel like it's mine that's really affecting me right now. And then the third step is of the recognized part is to actually start to distinguish what's mine and what's not mine. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do when I sort of notice that I'm feeling a little bit out of sorts is putting my hand over my heart and just asking myself the question, is this mine? And I would say that mm, probably like 9.5 times out of 10, the answer is Yes, and that there are some of it is your stuff and some of it is coming from the outside world. And then the next part of the question is once I've got the yes and is what's mine, what's not mine. And once we start having the understanding of what's ours and what's not ours, then we can do the next step, which is release, which has to do with sending back the stuff that is not ours that is, and is no longer serving us. And sort of, I forgive this, I release this, I send this back to where this belongs. And it can be very powerful just to say, I, you know, I send this back to where it belongs. I send this back to its source. Yeah. Um, and also, when we do recognize that we've got a part in it, healing the places that are getting triggered and activated by whatever is going on outside of ourselves. So releases and and then once we've done the recognize and release, then we can start building up protective filters and shields as well as strategic boundaries that are going to protect us. But I always like to describe it as, you know, if you were, you know, if you were thinking about like, you know, a bathtub it's like you could take a bath and wash off all the dirty water but if you don't pull out the drain and you just pull the shower curtain around you're just going to have a mess around you so yes. the release is really necessary and the and before we can sort of create a nice healthy shield of energy around ourselves that will actually help us to not keep on absorbing things 
But because the universe abhors a vacuum, the next step is connect. Because if we don't want to keep on being attracted to and just taking on all the negativity and the toxic emotions over and over again, we need to connect with a power greater than ourselves. We need to let ourselves be filled with a different kind of energy than what we've been carrying around. So connect is, for me, about connecting with a power greater than ourselves, making that divine connection, receiving that divine guidance, and being able to be filled with a positivity um, that that sort of basically takes up the space. Like if you grow a garden and there are all kinds of healthy plants, there is not as much room for weeds as if the, you know, whereas if you don't, and if you have too many weeds, the, the healthy stuff doesn't have room to grow. And then the final step is act, which really has to do with making life choices in ways that really allow us to reinforce our boundaries, reinforce our choices, and really learn how to go from being just um, you know, an amplifier of the distress in the world to becoming a beacon for light, for hope, for love, for healing, for all kinds of good stuff. So I really, and the wonderful thing about being highly sensitive and empathic is that I really believe we were born on this planet right now to be part of the solution. And we can make a big difference because in the same way that we have the capacity to absorb energy, we also have a capacity to broadcast and to beam light and hope and love and healing into the world. So wow. that was the five steps. Like I'm listening to every word you're saying and there's so much to take in. It's actually so profound. But I yeah. know that there's so many people that are going to connect with with practically everything that you said there and you know even while you're talking there's one thing that I have to ask you from a personal perspective because mm -hmm. I would have always thought that I'm an empath but listening to you I'm starting to doubt it but mm. what I'm wondering is if it's possible for people to block and what I mean yes. by this okay so I grew up in Ireland you know in the late 70s 80s whatever and every single day when you turned on the telly or the radio there was you know a bomb you know car bomb someone shot I had a loaded rifle shoved into my face when I was just 11 years old you know and I find that I I'm less sympathetic or empathic towards those situations now and I'm wondering, does that mean that I'm not an empath or just that I've blocked it because I was saturated with those feelings growing up? I th So I would say that, you know, blocking it is something that some of us, some of us do. The challenge a lot of times with blocking it is that it has a way of coming out sideways for a lot of people. And so it can show up as like health challenges or not being able to connect to source. Um you know, and, and I will say that, but there can also be what's called in the world, compassion fatigue, you know, where it's like, if you are just getting desensitized, and you are experiencing traumatic event after traumatic event, there is a point where no matter how good that muscle is, if it gets overextended and stretched and stretched and stretched, where you're just your capacity for empathy is shut down. Um, but the other thing is, that ability to have that empathy is not necessarily the same as experiencing the empathic distress. And so I'm wondering if, if almost you were experiencing so much distress so much of the time that you kind of had to shut down the empathy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not 100% sure because I suppose I was very young. Um, yeah. You know, when the, as they call it, the troubles was going on in, in Ireland. And I don't know, was it just because it was just an everyday occurrence that it was just like, oh, that's boring? Or was it literally that I just couldn't take it in anymore? You know, that every day there was someone dead or there was trouble somewhere? You know, yeah, I mean, this is within the human. I mean, this is this is not just about being an empath. This is human hmm. nature. If we are yeah. being exposed to persistent and pervasive, you know, like trauma over and over again, there is a point where we will shut down. I mean, just in terms of of like brain, like um, neuroscience, you know, the f the way our brain works is that we are only in a resilient state when if you were going to raid, you know, sort of base stress on a scale of zero to 10, you know, between zero and three is when we're resilient, we're functioning, we're able to use the, the, our pre, our frontal cortex, the part of our brain that can think straight. Once we get into any kind of level of stress between, you know, a three and higher, like between a three and a seven, we go into what's the, called the limbic brain, which is our emotional brain, which is what controls the amygdala, the fight or flight mechanism in our head. And the fight or flight mechanism, you know, we once we go into fight or flight, we get tunnel vision and we're not really able to process information super effectively. But then once we go, once we go past that, there's a certain point where after we've gone through the fight or flight or we've exhausted that, we go into what's called the basically the lizard brain or the brainstem, where we just sort of go into pure instinct, but we also will start to go into flop or freeze. And so, you know, we as a species are not meant for chronic trauma. That's actually an oxymoron. Like, you know, trauma is is a word that should be for something very short term and yes. chronic is obviously not short term and so even looking at the phenomenon of what's going on you know internationally but as you know looking at especially like here in the united states the way that like the way that this pandemic has influenced people you can absolutely see that there are people who are just tapping out and their capacity mm -hmm. to care about this has just been completely obliterated. So I think that, you know, sort of long answer to this is that we, because of that persistent long-term stress, you will eventually stop being able to respond from an emotional place and you are going to shut down because that is just within our wiring. And especially for a highly sensitive empathic child, it makes complete sense that there would come a point where it's just like it becomes a matter of survival that mm. you you kind of have to get numb to some extent. You do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel better now, so I am an empath. <laughs> yeah. I was beginning to doubt myself. But um, do all psychics and mediums, would you say that all psychics and mediums are empaths or are they not necessarily? Not necessarily. I mean, in my experience, many, I mean, many, many, many empaths are psychic and you know have capacity for psychic psychic ability and mediumship but i will say usually if an un empath is not does not know how to discern what's going on the problem with somebody who's very very who's a very strong empath is that they can pick up information but not necessarily be able to discern like where the source is coming from and so what i've found is that 
it's like learning how to navigate and distinguish like what's my fear whereas what's an actual psychic premonition is something that I think empaths can sometimes have to struggle with and so while so what I would say is that there's definitely a lot of cross-pollination, but there are some people who are just much more um, on the emotional spectrum and are just really empaths. And then you've got these people who are definitely like psychics with like maybe one or two clairs that are very, very strong, but really have that capacity to distinguish what's theirs and what's not theirs. And I will say in my travels, I have met non-empath psychics like I have absolutely met people who and usually like I can tell in my experience one of the things about meeting other empaths is that there's almost this like kind of like heart hookup like that you can feel like I don't know if you have that experience but I'm like oh Sandy I know you're an empath because I can feel you yeah. and there's this way that we feel each other whereas I have absolutely met other people who are psychics and mediums and very 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 gifted at it but who are not empaths. They're just, they're, you know, that they're getting the info. The information is coming through generally sort of the upper, like the crown chakra, the, the third eye, and maybe the throat chakra, but really sort of coming in and through. They know it's coming through. They're not absorbing it. It's not a visceral embodied experience. What I would say is that if you're recognizing yourself in this and you are being like, oh my God, I'm totally an empath. What I would really invite, if you are feeling called to be an intuitive, to be a psychic, to be a guide, and particularly if you're being called to do this work professionally, what I really want to invite you to do is look at dealing with the places where you are taking on the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, the sensations from the world around you. And especially if you're getting experiencing a lot of empathic overwhelm, learn to deal with that before you start working as a professional psychic because yeah. trust me as somebody yeah. who started in the field as a professional psychic i would have so many experiences as a, as a younger woman where i would be doing psychic work or i would be doing some healing work with people and i would feel so out of sorts for sometimes upwards of days after doing work with people because i did not understand how I was absorbing other people's stuff over and over again. And so knowing how to navigate that and not keep everything that we're taking, that we're, that we're receiving is a very important thing before I think developing one's professional chops as an intuitive oh, or, I agree. you know, psychic or medium. Yeah. Because if you can't deal with your own baggage, you're not going to deal with somebody else's. That's 100%. no, no, exactly. I love what you say about recognizing yourself before you take on other people's energy. I say this all the time about mediumship, and I guess it's the same for empaths. So I tell people to, you know, sit in their own power, be aware of themselves. Yes. Even like for the three minutes that you're brushing your teeth in the morning, acknowledge what's yours. Do you have a headache? Do you have a pain in your toe? You know, do you have an annoying spot on your cheek? You know, whatever's yours and acknowledge that first thing. And then, you know, anything else that you're feeling, you're getting it somewhere else. So you always have to be aware of you first. So I call Absolutely. it in your own power. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And, and yeah. knowing, really recognizing like really recognizing what our default is. It's a lot easier if we know ourselves yes. to then recognize when we're taking something on that is not ours than if we do not know ourselves. And yes. 
I think, unfortunately, we live in a culture uh, of the Western civilization, really, that is not necessarily particularly keen on feeling difficult emotions. You know, elation, love, joy, those are fine. Gratitude, that's good. But God forbid you go down the rabbit hole of grief or fear or anger. And I think that the thing is that we need to be willing to sit with our feelings in all of their permutations yeah. in or if we are going to be able to recognize what's ours and what's not ours. And particularly when you start working as a medium and you are inviting other entities to communicate with you and mm -hmm. especially if you're doing transmediumship where you're allowing yourself to be a channel for other yes. other entities it is imperative that we can recognize what's ours what's not ours because otherwise we can end up spending quite a bit of time with sort of um klingons basically yeah, yeah. i agree 110 percent. now yeah. i love something that you say um and you say to embrace yourself as an empath is not through crystals. You know, that's yes. not the way to deal with it. Not that you're putting down crystals or anything. Oh God, no, you should see my crystal collection. <laughs> I am a total, I have, I have a mad fetish for crystals and I absolutely adore crystals. And they have their place. But mm. the thing is that a crystal is a tool, it is not a solution. And I love that. you know, we need a crystal. A crystal is only as good as our capacity to wield it and to know what to do with it. It's not like you can just purchase a crystal and everything is going to go away. In order to really, truly address our empathic sensitivity, we, we really need to learn how to sit with our emotions. We need to learn how to breathe through feelings and also how to release feelings that are not you know, that, that are just, that really are not ours. And, you know, that's a very big part of the chapter release is a huge chapter in my book, Empathic Mastery, because there are so many different ways we can release things. And, uh, you know, walking outside, putting our hands on a tree, imagining that we are just sending all the extra energy, you know, grounding that extra energy is great. Sometimes if you know, for example, uh, you know, in terms of talking about uses for a crystal, if you knew you were going to go someplace where the energy was maybe going to be really extra strong and there was a kind of crystal that you found to be really helpful and stabilizing, like I personally really like smoky quartz or labradorite for sort of stabilizing and grounding energy, or um, that you might choose to bring, a, you know, wear a crystal in your bra just to kind of help to mitigate the energy. But it's not, it's not going to protect you if you don't have any kind of effective filters and shields set up. And especially if you are just prone to picking stuff up and then sort of getting carried away by it and rushing in to rescue. So... I, you know, as you mentioned in the bio, I'm a master trainer for EFT International, and mm -hmm. EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques. It's also known as tapping in sort of its broader term, and it is one of my personal go-to tools for really being able to let go of the emotional, mental, even physical distress that we've been carrying around. So... That is one of my number one go-to tools for being able to release stuff that we don't need to be carrying around anymore. 
I love it. I was going to ask you about the EFT. So what did you say? It stands for emotional? Emotional freedom techniques with an S. And did you um, get into this EFT healing because of working with empaths or independent of? So, so I basically, I, so, so my relationship, I've been, I mean, I started developing and discovering tools for healing like pretty much I got out of art school, I picked up a deck of tarot cards, I found it was easier to make a living as a psychic than as as an artist. And then what happened for me was not easy. Uh, But with and then what I discovered was what happened for me was that I started noticing that a lot of the people are coming to me were were wanting more than just a reading and so i started to go from basically uh, somebody this woman thalassa who's this tarot person once said ah you're going to meet a tall dark cesspool and fall in and i started (laughs) to get really curious about like instead of being like predicting like oh you're going to fall in love you're going to have this many children i started getting really curious about instead of like that whether you were going to fall it find a tall dark cesspool and fall into it why why are we so curious about finding these tall dark cesspools and falling in and so we started i started to be drawn to understanding and doing the healing work around what attracts us to these patterns in our life that don't work and that led me to developing my skills as a healer i started with breath work and reiki then i actually went to seminary and got a master's degree in psychology and religion as well as doing a a 13-month training shamanic training in um, body-centered spiritual healing and i just kept on in shamanic apprenticeship and a number of different things and what kept on happening was and in the mean you know sort of you don't know this about me but i spent 20 years doing tattooing as a healing art and offering tattoo yeah i did and um and so what happened was people came to me from all over the world to do healing work because they under my motto was putting prayers on your skin helping truth and beauty to surface and so but what i started to notice was that so many of the people that i was working with had this common quality of being empathic of being empaths and i started realizing because i would have all these conversations about how many people were struggling with anxiety were struggling with like overwhelm we're struggling with being gaslit by other people and I started to go wait a second the common denominator with every single one of these people is that they're an empath so I started to think about like oh what I really want to do is I want to create a program I want to write a book that's all about like I my working title originally was the care and feeding of your empathic soul um, living in a muggle world or the care and feeding of your psychic self living in a muggle world Um, and because I recognize that we our world is not set up for those of us who are highly sensitive and empathic. So in that journey about, you know, now and many years ago, I just happened to be kind of reading a newsletter from an influential wellness person who basically was writing about EFT, and I started to check it out. But at the time emotional freedom techniques were very comp like they were more complicated than they are now there were a lot of extra things that you did because basically EFT is kind of a form of emotional it's like acupuncture emotional or mental acupuncture without the needles and so 
when you do this, what you're doing is you're either tapping or putting light pressure on acupuncture points or acupressure meridians, and you're thinking about whatever issue is going on. But when it was originally designed, it was a little bit more complicated than it is now. And so I found it confusing at first. And I'll also be really honest, it's a little weird when you first discover it because it involves tapping on your head and your face and your torso and it looks a little weird if you've never done it before so uh, to be completely honest when I first discovered I was a little too vain to be attracted to it I was kind of like this is gonna make me look weird and I'm already weird enough but basically I became enamored of it when the what's called the basic recipe got changed so that it became more accessible it was it was streamlined and easier mm -hmm. and right around the same time that that happened i happened to be driving home in an ice storm with my husband and i was really anxious because i have a history of car accidents and so i asked him if he would be if he would mind if i tapped while he drove and i went from a 10 of just real absolute terror down to like a zero within two or three rounds of tapping and I went oh my god because I had a history of PTSD with car accidents I'd been struggling most of my adult life around the anxiety about being in a car and suddenly all of my anxiousness was lifted all of my fear was lifted everything was just like okay this is okay this is fine wow I definitely want yeah. to try that and is this something that has to be in person this kind of no thing? No, it doesn't have to be in person. As a matter of fact, I'm actually gearing up to do um, a level one training that's going to be virtual where I have people coming in from, I mean, the last training I did, I had somebody who was working with us from New Zealand. And wow. it is the beautiful thing is I actually work virtually with all of my clients, even people who live in the same state. We work via, we work via Zoom. But the beautiful thing about EFT is that not only does it not have to be done in person, it can also be done yourself. You can learn this recipe. You can learn these tools. You can learn how to use EFT for yourself so that you can self-soothe, so that you can actually calm your nervous system down, so that you can reboot your amygdala. Because I talked about the amygdala, which is that is the the um, part of our brain that controls our fight or flight mechanism. Mm -hmm. Tapping reboots, resets our amygdala so that we are not in a perpetual state of fight or flight. And for empaths, it is such a spectacular tool because it helps us to re-regulate our nervous system so that we can actually be calm and grounded instead of just taking on all of the stress. Wow. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely love that. The, the idea that you can, you know, some kind of, <laughs> I'm almost envisioning the, the tapping like a release valve, you know, like you're letting out all mm -hmm. that pressure, like a pressure cooker, you know? Yes, I, I love the yes, thought yes. Well, and the meridians, the thing about, you know, we've got all these lines of energy that are running through our body. And the thing is that when we get emotionally or when we get distressed, what we do as human beings is we contract and we congest. And then a lot of times, because we were not taught how to breathe through things or let ourselves feel our feelings, we trap these intense emotions into our energy system. And over time, in the same way that, you know, you can get gunked up pipes, 
or you could get you know a log jam in a dam eventually these these or like clogged arteries really it's mm -hmm. sort of like emotions could be considered sort of the cholesterol of our of our emotional it's life true yeah yeah and so when we tap, what happens is we gently, we're using a technique, we're gently sending energy through the meridians, almost kind of like using like an ultrasonic or something, where the places where the energy has gotten congested is getting released so that we do get this free flow of energy going through our system again. Wow. Okay. I'm yeah. definitely going to look at that. So if people are interested in that, I'm assuming all the details are on your website, which I will have in the description box attached here, um, empathicsensitivity.com. Yes, um, empathic sensitivity will definitely get people started. And if you want a lot more information specifically about EFT, you can also go over to my EFT dedicated space, eftinstruction.com as well. Perfect. I'll put those links in the description box. Thank attached. you. Yeah. So just before I let you go, so the um, Empathic Mastery Academy, how do people mm -hmm. know if they're ready for that? Well, the Empathic Mastery Academy, what a wonderful question. So um, what I would say is the way that the Empathic Mastery Academy is designed is that it is a step-by-step -step program that allows you to start with recognizing what's going on and just identifying what it means to be an empath. And I would say that it is not an, you know, like this is a place where whether you are just beginning to understand yourself as an empath or you are coming into you are you you've been dealing with it for quite a while there are tools here to work with and my goal is to make this a place that gives tools to people who are just discovering what they are but also to really support the people who are already well in it and so the net and um i'm not sure when this will be airing but as of right now, the next live round of the Empathic Mastery Academy is going to be starting in September of 2022, where we're going to be running through it every single, we'll have, you know, live, like virtual live events every single week where we're going to have time for questions and answers and some support. But if somebody wasn't quite sure, like they were kind of on the fence about it, what I would say is I also have a free Facebook group where I offer master classes every single month and I teach a lot of tools. I believe incredible. I am so like giving information if you can't tell already like giving information about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic is my jam it is my total yeah. passion and i want people to understand how to navigate this how to use their gifts to make a difference in the world and so my free group is a place where you can really get a taste of things and then from that you know, maybe you're like, oh, I absolutely need to be in the academy with Jen. So I would say also that I really trust that, um, you know, if you intuitively or instinctively as an empath are like, oh, this is somebody I could really work with, then I welcome you to come join me. And if you're more like, oh, I'm not sure I'm ready for this, or mm, maybe she's not quite for me, then I would say, please trust your gut. Because that's the other thing. It's like, as empaths, the fit has to be good. If there's no rapport, if there's no fit, doesn't matter if I have all the knowledge, like I have all the information. If I don't, if 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 I don't jibe with you, then, like, you know, yeah. I I you know, go with God. Like I absolutely support you in finding the people who resonate with you instead oh, of just trying to force to, somebody. To, 
You're not going to be yeah. drawn to everybody in this world, you know, and no, none of us take not it personally. You need, you know, everybody needs to find something and you need to move until you find it. So no, exactly. You know, there's none of that. So if you send me the link to your Facebook group, I'll definitely include it here for people. And, Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so they, they, they can definitely connect with you there or through the website and find out more. I have learned so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. I know I've, I've oh. kept you a long time today, but um, there's so much to unpack in there. And, you know, I suppose I'd be honest, I, I never really knew that, you know, there was so much involved in being an empath. I think, you know, when you're used to something, you just take it for granted. So it's really opened my eyes and thank you so much for that. So I would encourage people to have a look at Jennifer's website, um, join her Facebook group if you're on Facebook or contact her if you have any questions. You may, by the time this is airing in October, you may have missed the beginning of this um, round um, of round, the yeah. Academy with her, but there will be more in 2023, I'm sure. Exactly, exactly. Jen Thank you so much for everything. We're so grateful. And hopefully you'll join us again in the future on Life After. I Life. hope so. Sandy, it has been, this feels like a long lost friend appointment. Yeah, it's absolutely like, it. oh, you. <laughs> it's been a delight talking with you today. We've been talking nonstop since we got on the call. But I know. Listen to everybody that's listening. You will find all the links and groups that Jennifer has mentioned in the description box attached here. And um, I'll say goodbye for now and I will talk to you in the next episode. And until then, take care and stay safe. Discussing everything.